0: Hi, I'm Yui Shu, And I'm Julie Krafcik. We're
1: active daters turned dating sociologists. Here to dive into everything modern dating and relationships. Welcome to the Dateable Podcast. (laughs) Guess what? Season 17, officially. We're back we are back and we never left yeah it's not like back there was from a, nowhere a break from our voice <laughs> in your years at all but to us we are back because it's official kickstart to season 17 we say this every season but we are always right it's like we're bringing you back another amazing fantastic <laughs> season of dateable with new content new guests new ways of thinking and we also want to thank you all for coming along for the ride and for those of you who've stuck around since the beginning. Yeah. You're champs. You deserve a trophy. Seven we will
0: years. <laughs>
1: get you a trophy one of these days. You've aged with us. And for all of our new listeners, welcome. And when you get a chance, go through our back catalog. There's just so much. We have a lot of episodes for you to sift through. Always good stuff.
0: Yeah, we started re-airing just a couple of them, but that's three of 300. So there's more mm-hmm. to go through at any time. I've been thinking about the seasons thing we started this you know with the idea of more tv and other media in mind and some podcasts do seasons some just continuously flow but what i like about seasons it is a little bit of a refresh for us And maybe not always on purpose, but there always seems to be a theme of every season Mm -hmm. based on what we're going through, what we're hearing just in the Facebook community, on Instagram. So another plug to be part of our community in those places, because we directly feed what you want to hear into the season lineup and really think about it. We take a lot of time to think it through.
1: It's also symbolic of our lives. We are constantly going through different seasons of ourselves and the reason why the seasons Work for us is that we put intentionality behind each season and it just turns out that way. Mm-hmm. This theme just kind of bubbles up. So, if you're able to do that in your own seasons of life, yes. maybe that could be something to put into action. Like this season, I'm exploring what the next evolution of me could be. That's
0: the season of life I'm in. I really like this season of life because then you don't feel as stuck. Like if you're in a period where things aren't going your way, hmm. say you are going through a breakup or you know, you you're just moved to a new place and you're confused and maybe don't have the social network that you once did and dating isn't going your way a hundred percent. It's nice to know that it's not forever and that it will pass. Mm-hmm. And where you are today is not where you're gonna be tomorrow. So I think it's really helpful to look at things that way
1: our new friend Rory who's going to be on a future episode has said this to me the other day that helped me so much in forecasting seasons in my life because I was like having a hard time falling asleep and she said go to bed and dream about how you're going to be at this time next year. I like that. I really liked the framing of that because I know what keeps me up at night is I often look back
0: mm. on, oh,
1: this time last year, this time last month. But she really helped me reframe to forward thinking and I got really excited because it's a very calming exercise I think about huh yeah what is my next season going to look like
0: yeah I went to the Barbie movie with a mutual friend of ours and her boyfriend and I'd say it was probably like a year and a half that from when she met him but she went through this really heart-wrenching breakup and seeing yes. her I don't know what it was about this specific moment but I was just like <laughs> she is in such a better place like Ugh. even though a year ago it felt like the end of the the world and now she can look back and be like everything happened the way it was meant to be Mm. because I'm with someone that just gets me so much more and feels much more in sync and you can see it and you can see like the happiness and it's just palpable so I think there's something really nice being on the outside watching people's growth too because we're so hard on ourselves and don't always think about like okay each thing is a building block especially when you're in the thick of it and things aren't going your way.
1: Oh I love hearing that because ultimately time does not stop for you No. So if you're taking a pause because someone ruined your life where you feel like the world is ending. The world is not ending. It's just your own mindset that's stuck. Mm -hmm. So I like this idea that time does not stop for anybody. It just keeps going. So you can either choose to go along for the ride and see what changes are down the line or ruminate in the past. But knowing that the universe has something better planned for you
0: down the line just makes these future seasons so much more exciting. Yeah. And speaking of future seasons, I think listening to the re-airs that we did, it also shows how far this podcast has come. Amen. And we've gone through so many different cycles. We're at a sweet 16. We're now at 17. We're in the thick of teenage years right now. (laughs) Trouble, trouble years. But we're matured, you know, 17 clearly isn't as matured as 40, but we're getting there. Maybe season 40 one day. We'll see about that. But (laughs) I think it's really fun to look back. But what we're doing this season is something a little different, too of course we're going to keep the episodes with guests with experts with the everyday daters that's not going anywhere but we're also going to sprinkle in a couple of duo episodes i guess solo of the two of us that we're going to just you know riff off some ideas like we got such positive feedback during this off season on some of the topics and we both were thinking like we want to dive into some of these more. And we have some secret projects in the pipeline that we unfortunately can't reveal yet, but they have been making us think about things differently. And we want to start sharing that on the podcast.
1: If you're a podcaster and you do an interview show, when you have a guest on your show, you're creating a platform for them to speak. So you may have all these thoughts that you want to share, but in the time frame that you have, you can't share it all. So we thought, well, we certainly have a lot of thoughts. (laughs) And on a lot of these previous episodes, we've been just taking notes because we definitely don't want to be rude to our guests and interrupt so then why don't we create
0: a space for us to speak now and just get all of our thoughts out there yeah and brunch talks aren't going anywhere either so those will be back as well so keep the questions coming but yeah this is you know it's been seven years we've learned a thing or two we've digested a lot of information so i think it's the time that we bring out some more insights that you know we've historically shared in the courses and in sounding board but bring them to the podcast as well.
1: And what is our season opener going to be about with just the two of us? We're talking about dating apps in the context of you cannot talk to a dater these days without bringing up dating apps. Mm -hmm. And it's always in a negative tone. People seem to really hate the apps, burnt out by the apps. But if you look at the statistics, most people are meeting on apps these days, or most people are on apps. And also people who meet on apps have a higher chance for a healthy relationship than those don't. We can't argue with the numbers. So why is it that we still have this attitude and stigma around apps when At large,
0: it is working for us. Well, before we get into it, let's hear a message from our sponsors.
1: This episode is made possible by the books The Falling and The Burning by Anna Todd. You may recognize the name Anna Todd from her number one bestselling After series, but did you know that she has also written a new page-turning romance trilogy? The first two books in The Brightest Stars are out now in our perfect summer reads. They're called The Falling and The Burning, just in time to heat up your summer. Set against the backdrop of a military base 20-year-old Karina is proud of the independent life she's trying to create for herself in Fort Benning, Georgia. A dutiful officer's daughter, supportive sister to a troubled twin brother, and caring friend to her roommate, she always puts the needs of others ahead of her own. And when she meets a handsome soldier on the cusp of discharge, she's immediately intrigued by him as their uncertain and unexpected friendship starts to turn into something more. Get your hands on these two books, The Falling and the Burning by Anna Todd, wherever books are sold. first month and never worry about what to wear again try armoire today
0: what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving made with natural ingredients hero bread supports gut health promotes weight management and helps maintain blood sugar I think one of our biggest mysteries is why can't people find each other on these apps? Like from our Mm -hmm. community, we've seen so many people that are super eligible, super dateable, yet they all complain that no one good is on the apps. Mm -hmm. So there is clearly a big disconnect here. So we wanted to dive into that disconnect because once we can lay that out and find solutions that we're not just being on apps complaining about them all the time, then maybe we could actually see some of those stats that you were referencing, UA, of happy, healthy relationships.
1: Yes. (laughs) And you'll witness in real time, because like Julie said, she's pro apps. I've never been such a cheerleader for apps. I've never just gotten my head around having a positive experience on them. And it's because I'm getting in my own way. It's not because of the apps. It's the way I view profiles and the way I use it. So you'll witness in real time of me just (laughs) getting over these humps, getting out of my own way to use apps in my favor.
0: Yeah, and I'm very pro apps, but I did want to take an approach of understanding more of the holistic view on them. So we did a bit of research and wanted to kind of lay down just some of the initial findings, us give our reactions, and then also like how do we come out of this? Because we can sit and talk about like how apps are hurting us, how they're not working all day long, but at the end of the day, if you're here, you're probably trying to meet someone. So like, how do we get out of this whole thing? Right. So I think what's really fascinating about apps, and this isn't gonna be mind-blowing to anyone. I think where it becomes interesting is later on, is that there's huge gender discrepancies. And apologies in advance, this is gonna be more of a hetero conversation, just because that's where this data is. That being said, I think anyone can benefit from where we talk about how to get out of things. Like that is universal to all. But in terms of like gender ratios, like first of all, did you know, UA, that 75% of Tinder users are men? Mm-hmm. like I didn't realize it was that skewed and a lot of it is coming from India like that definitely skews it more oh. but it's still like sixty five thirty five in the U.S. yeah that explains a lot <laughs> but that being said what's very interesting about it is that women are the ones that have the much higher match rates mm-hmm. because of the way that men and women use dating apps are very different so women swipe more overall But they're way more selective when they're doing it. So these stats kind of blew my mind. So the average female on Tinder gets 1,003 matches a year, which is 2.75 matches a day. And the average male on Tinder gets 401 matches in a year, Mm -hmm. 1.1 matches a day. And we're using Tinder too in this because that's where like research is. Like no one has done it, but think about Tinder as like the Kleenex of all data gaps. It kind of <laughs> is universal across the board. But of course, there's going to be some nuance given its reputation and all that. But what's really fascinating of it is that women only swipe yes. And these numbers were varied, but it's really between 8 and 14% of the time they're swiping right, mm. where on average, 46% of men are swiping right. So there's a really big disconnect there. So that being said, according to MarketWatch, the match rate for women is 10%, while for men, it's a measly 0.6%.
1: It makes sense because men are swiping right more. Yeah. So they're going to get less matches and women are just more discerning with who they're
0: swiping right on. Exactly. But this is where it gets really interesting. So there is this study. The name alone is hilarious to me. It's called Tinder Experiments 2. Guys, unless you're really hot, you are probably better off not wasting your time on Tinder. Yikes. (laughs) So this is basically saying that like, okay, we established that the match rate for women is about 10% and then for men, it's 0.6%. But that doesn't mean that 10% of all men are getting the swipes, right? Because it's Mm 0.6. So where is that distribution? In the study, they basically were saying that the top 20% of men are getting 80% of those likes from women. Mm. So there's a major distribution issue. And the sources on this are, I would say, questionable. There's a lot of scrutiny here. But you see this popping up all the time. I heard it on multiple podcast it's on reddit boards but there's this Mm. feeling that men are pretty screwed on dating apps and what's happening is that women are super selective but they're only concentrated on this quote-unquote like top 20 percent. because you would think from those numbers that like women would have it made on dating apps but that's not what we hear right like we never hear that women are just like so happy on dating apps either so I want to get your take on this because I think there's definitely some truth. Like, I don't know, like, the questionable sources, I get that in the methodology, but I could see some truth to this in the sense that it does seem like, at least anecdotally, when you, like, talk to your girlfriends, people tend to be, like, focused on the same type of guys over and over again.
1: For sure. And it's, we will bring this to real estate, too. Any realtor will tell you, when you go on Redfin, you'll see which houses are hot. Yes. Quote unquote. Yes. And those are the ones with the best photos, the best descriptions, and also with an agent who may be attractive. I mean, there are so many variables and it's just all in the
0: presentation of the profile. Yeah. And that's, I think, one of the challenges with dating apps is that we put such an emphasis on presentation of profiles, especially women. Mm-hmm. There's studies that like men, because they just swipe through everyone or like at least 64%, it's really that first photo that they're focused on. Mm-hmm where women will go into the profile and really For sure. read every <laughs> last thing and make that very right. selective decision. <laughs> it's fascinating to me just like how much of a discrepancy this is.
1: What about the other way around? Is it the same? Is it like the same 80% of men swiping on the top 20% of women? So they
0: claim not. They basically say because they're open to 64%, like it's much more distributed. You're not seeing ah. that like build up. And that's why I think women tend to get more messages. Like, UA and I have seen some men's inboxes, and they were definitely more full than mine ever were. Barren.
1: Yeah. Does that mean women are more superficial than men on dating apps?
0: (sighs) I think it's... (laughs) Can we make that assumption? I don't know if it's superficial because it's the photo, right, that's driving men. But I think men think that they're at a disadvantage of it. And just the way that they're swiping is different, that they're just not taking the time. Mm. What is kind of the third layer to all of this that I found very fascinating is that it's actually women that are moving the conversation forward more than men. Mm-hmm. We've been told, right, that it's that men are the ones that reach out. So this guy, Christian Bo, he's the person that ran this Study. It was from this like swipe stats.io <laughs> where you can see your Tinder stats, apparently. So he got access to their database and like went through all their data, mm-hmm. which is super fascinating. And he found that only 7% of men who matched with he had fake profiles that he was doing his testing with mm-hmm. actually followed through with a message, but 21% of women who connected yeah. sent a message. Ah. And it makes sense because like women are looking a bit more into like the profile and really like saying, okay, this is a choice I want to make. I'm going to move forward with it. Where his hypothesis that men were kind of just, you know, excited by the pure match and then kind of left after that.
1: Men are already giving up before they even message.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> this is again, what is circulating on the internet? This is the story that's being told. I'm curious here yet, like, do you think this has legs at all or do you think this is totally bogus
1: it's hard because i can't speak from a male experience but i certainly have seen our friends <laughs> apps and how they use it it is completely different because a lot of my guy friends are just happy to get these matches in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then women almost see it as a nuisance, like, oh, so many matches today to sift through. Let's see who I want to message first. So that I can definitely see. I also know that like, OKCupid did the study years and years ago. And maybe it wasn't based on attraction, but it was based on the same people were getting all the matches. Mm -hmm. So that's in line with the 80-20. Yes. And it wasn't so much based on traction. I thought it was more based on interests. Like if you had very specific interests, you get all the people who have the same (laughs) interests. I can see that as well. Yeah, it's weird because I do find a lot of my guy friends do the whole swipe, swipe on everybody Mm -hmm. and then figure out who you want to message. And then by the time they want to figure out who to message, they've already moved on. (laughs) Like it's already too much for them to think about. (laughs) And then women are like spending 10 minutes on each profile. Yeah. Do I want to swipe on this person? I don't know. Should I Google them? Should I look at their Instagram? (laughs) And then once they've already committed to swiping, they feel like I'm definitely messaging this person Mm -hmm. once it matches, right?
0: I do think this theory does at least explains why both parties are so disgruntled and nothing is happening. Mm. The 80-20, I'm not sure if I, it could be that. I don't want to say yes or no. I guess I don't have enough info to further know. But I do think that the psyche of dating apps, people think that they can get like a level above them at all times. Because when you think about it, it's like you go on, mm-hmm. everyone's smiling at you. You feel like everyone on there wants to date you, looking you in the eyes as you go. It's like if you went to a bar, would that ever happen? In? Probably not. So there is this feeling of like, I have the pick of the litter. I can choose anyone I want on here. And I think that gets in people's way.
1: Right. You wouldn't go into a bar and say, I'm going to approach like the top 1% here. Yeah. You would think, who would I be comfortable approaching? But on a dating app, the first step is we've all represented ourselves one level above already. Oh, yeah. We're <laughs> at then- a, already our
0: aspirational <laughs> self.
1: Yes. And then that representation of you is now going to go out and find a match. So you're like searching two levels above. Mm -hmm. You are going for, I guess, quote unquote, out of your league, which is completely subjective in every sense of the word. I can see that too. (laughs) It does make me, you know, just from my own personal experience, I just know that when I was on apps, I was extremely picky of who I swiped on Mm -hmm. and to a fault because I think about all of my exes, I wouldn't have swiped on any of them, except for the one that I actually swiped on and we dated. But even this most recent ex, I saw his profile after we started dating and I would have definitely not swiped on him because there was one photo that gave me an ick. You know, the ick photo? It's like, oh, that's pretty good. Pretty good. And then Ugh, the fake running photo just gave me the ick and it was like, cannot. If I just saw this profile, I would not swipe on it. Yeah. I think that mentality of just being extremely picky, not in a good way, mm-hmm. can limit our chances of meeting someone
0: great. And I think that's why apps have worked for me is because I actually probably swipe more like a guy. Yeah. Like I would just swipe on anyone that was looked good enough. And I know that sounds bad to say, but I think what it was is that I recognized the limitations. Because like you, people I met in person never were the people I would have necessarily swiped on that I was attracted to. And Mm -hmm. there were so many people too that I would show up and they looked nothing like their profile (laughs) photo. Nothing. And for better or for worse, I remember even being on a video call with a guy and then like meeting him in person and being like, wait, You don't look the same at all. So I just figured at that point, like, I kind of gave up on this, like, trying to find my soulmate on the app. It just was like, I'm going to use this purely as an intro Mm -hmm. and just see how the conversation plays out. And we've talked about this before of, like, how do we just look at apps? Like, you're going to a house party. Like, is this someone I'd invite to my house party? You don't have to decide if this is going to be my soulmate and forever partner on the swipe. There's just no way to know.
1: Yes. And the first step to inviting someone to a house party is you have to represent yourself accurately, honestly. I do find a lot of daters have a hard time doing that. I'll give you an example. A guy friend of mine who shall remain <laughs> nameless, <laughs> he showed me his app and he is 10 years younger in all the photos, 40 pounds lighter yeah. and no facial hair. He looks completely different. This is what he said to me. He's like, I just want to know that that version of me can get these women, but I would never message them because there's no way I would meet up with them in person and show them who I am today. <sighs> that could account for why so many men don't message because they're just. <laughs> trying to see like what is the best representation of me what can this person get it's not who i can truly get yeah so one we just need to be honest with ourselves my friend emily has this great line she's like i do the no marketing approach i don't do yeah You don't like no marketing. doctor up your photo you want to meet someone who wants you for you not the doctored up filtered
0: 10 years younger version of you the best thing to do is under promise over deliver Because we've actually seen this happen a lot with people we've talked to and worked with before is they make this super shiny profile and it looks amazing. They're getting all these matches Mm -hmm. and then they show up and people are like, this isn't who I thought I was going to get. That's just a waste of time across the board. Like, I love this no marketing, like, this is who I am. You're either going to be attracted or not. And let's go from there. Like, there's no reason to be this aspirational self that is putting up all these photos of you like climbing Mount Kilimanjaro when you went hiking like five years. Ago.
1: And the same applies to when you're looking at profiles too. And you and I, Julie, we've had this conversation about house hunting. Yeah, it's like when you look at profiles, you want to look at the potential. Like maybe some houses don't have the best photos, but you think, wow, this house looks like it's sturdy. It's in a great location. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. great school system. I think I'll give it a try. Versus the ones that are highly polished, got the 360 degree view. You know, the virtual tour and like the vibrant colors that have been all doctored up, that House is getting a ton of views
0: yes. and everybody will be trying to get into that house. I think the best hidden gems are the people that don't have the polished profiles, like hands down, because at the end of the day, you want to date someone that's here for a relationship, not someone that's good at yeah. marketing themselves and creating a profile. You don't need that in a relationship. You don't need that in a relationship at all.
1: Unless if that you're purely on the apps for validation, yeah. <laughs> for vanity swipes, you do you. But if you're looking for a partner, you have to be
0: honest. So I never thought I was going to utter these words, but this is what came to mind for me. Do you remember that terrible book turned into a movie by Steve Harvey that, like, Act like a lady, think like a man. Do you remember that?
1: Oh, I've never seen that movie. <laughs> you don't know movie, what I'm talking but about. But yes, I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: Again, never thought I would utter these words, but I kind of feel like this is the same. Like, it's like message like a woman, I won't say lady, and swipe like a man. I think that is the silver <laughs> bullet here of the best of both worlds. Because here we are. it's like, if you just acknowledge, like, it's not about being picky or selective or all that. It's just purely acknowledging that you will not know from a profile and you go through this more good enough invite to the house party mentality. Let's say women start doing this, then more men are getting swiped on. It's not just that top yeah. 20%. And then if we adapt women that are making that message and crafting it and i think you know we're coming out of this world where women recognize that they can send that message but it's still not the norm and like if we can make it the norm for men and for women because now just no one's sending anything like that could just get so much more conversation happening
1: i want to go into the psychological reason of (laughs) why women don't swipe like a man And then how I would personally get over that hump because I'm working through that myself. I think it's rooted in safety. And I'll tell you why.
0: Mm. When we
1: go out as women, go to a club, go to a bar, the last thing we want to do is make eye contact with the wrong guy and send the wrong message. Yeah. So we're constantly like, heads down, let's make sure that nobody gets the wrong message. Because safety is at the core of everything we think about. Mm-hmm. But for men, it's a numbers game. Like, how many men have you seen at a club just, hey, baby, oh, hey, baby, yeah. you, you, hey, baby. <laughs> They're not thinking about safety. They don't care about that. So on a dating app, I think I... I would take in the same mentality. Like, I don't want to give some guy the wrong impression. And then maybe, I don't know, something crazy could happen. But with all the safety measures dating apps have taken in recent years, I think we are safe to do that now, to swipe on more people. Mm -hmm. And if you find that afterwards you get a match and you truly don't want to talk to this person, you have the option to unmatch them. Right. Right? So I'm trying to get over that. It's, I have an option. I have an out here.
0: Well, I totally hear you on that. And I think I'm not by any means saying that you just match with a bunch of people and just immediately go out with them. <laughs> like that is not what I'm trying to say. I think it's really the filtering is through the conversation because you can realize pretty quickly if someone's weird and creepy. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you that like women definitely have that. I 100% had the same of always thinking about safety, but get a Google voice number like there's many many ways yeah. that you can get around this without giving out your personal details. Don't tell someone your first and last name until you've you know met in person and established contact. I think it's a shame, in my opinion, that people aren't doing video and phone calls as much as they were in the pandemic because that was yeah. a perfect filtering system. When I was dating the last time around, just filtering from conversation told me so much more than a photo was because time and time again i would show up and the person looked totally different for better or for worse
1: for sure yeah you gotta get a sense of
0: them or just hearing their voice can say oh, yeah. so much okay before we keep going let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor we are so excited to share with you our new podcast exit interview
1: There's feedback that will make you cringe.
0: She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall.
1: And feedback that will make
0: you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you.
1: (laughs) I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview.
0: Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Maybe we should get into some of the ways that we can better utilize dating apps because I need to hear these myself. And we have talked about them in previous episodes, but I think there was a stat that said four photos are pretty much necessary for a profile. And I thought that was interesting. It's like, If you have less than four, people don't trust you or don't think you fully represent yourself. And this is really for all the men. Men just have less photos in general. Try to get at least four in your profile.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think with men too, like the last thing you want to do is come off as untrustworthy and sketchy and like a bot or whatever it might be. The more trust building you can put in your profile, Mm -hmm. that's going to help you. I actually think the bio matters a lot more for men, the way that women use dating apps than it does for women. For women, it's like, how do you get that first photo to be really solid and really represent yourself in a way that's positive because everything else is kind of gravy after that. Yeah. And how do you use your profile to bring in conversation? I would say that's almost more important for women because we know that men are a little more gun-shy to reaching out.
1: Yes, and the way we frame our profiles can't be pitting everyone against you. I say this because a lot of these dating apps have prompts like about you and then about what you're looking for. And under about what you're looking for, because Julie and I have reviewed thousands of profiles, Mm Profiles. Many of you say stuff like, you should be adventurous, (laughs) a foodie, willing to try this, and also this, like X, Y, and Z. You are putting the qualifications on the person reading your profile. Under the about what you're looking for section, maybe think about what is the vibe of the partnership? Looking for someone to you know, explore the world together, As someone to like tackle skydiving together. That's more
0: like bringing them into the conversation versus like me against you. I bring this to the table. What do you bring? I like that. It's like, how do you just invite them to approach you in a way that doesn't feel threatened? Yeah, Like that's really what you're trying to do, especially for women Because we're finding that especially like women, if you're the ones reaching out, it's more in your control. But you want to also invite people to reach out. Yeah. I think the other thing we need to be aware of are the biases that dating apps are doing. Yeah, When all you have to look at is height and occupation like that's what you focus on and because you don't know if someone's like a nice person you don't know if they're kind and generous and loyal like you don't know those qualities so that's why the top 20 percent ends up being based on these superficial qualities so if you can recognize that this is actually misleading you and open up as much as you can and that doesn't mean you have to swipe on every last person but you want to swipe beyond Mm -hmm. On that top twenty percent, so you can actually have people that are going to respond back to you.
1: Yeah, like keeping an open mind and understanding that when I go through the ick part, like this is an ick photo. Am I being just judgmental here? Yeah. You know, can I like open up that a little bit? Why is a fake running photo so ick to me that I don't <laughs> want to swipe on this person? That's my own problem that I would need to work through, right?
0: And also, like if you're in a relationship with them, how often are they going to be fake running? Probably never. Yes. yes, (laughs) They're probably doing it because they think it looks cool and that they're going to try to attract someone. That's where this whole thing is so fucked up when you think about it. It's like everyone is trying to impress the other person, (sighs) but we're being turned off by how people are trying to present themselves.
1: Yes. We're all – basically using avatars to (laughs) attract other people and then the avatars are failing at it so why can't we just be ourselves
0: yeah you know everyone's going after something else and being turned off of something that's not actually the real person
1: yes exactly
0: you also need to recognize like my partner when we met it was during covid he had some photos that were pre-covid where his hair was a lot shorter Mm. and there were some that were covid hair and you know even me during covid my hair was not good (laughs) but I also recognize like people can get haircuts like it's not like who they are forever like I feel like it's like what you were talking about with the real estate analogy like I remember when I was looking for places like my brother was like get the place that has like the ugly wallpaper Yes, it's so easy to tear that down like you can paint a room like that is the easiest fix you can do so I'm not saying like you should go and try to fix people that's not what I'm trying to say but like be aware of things that actually like might not even be for the long term in any way
1: oh my gosh that's so true because i was looking at my place i had an ick photo there was an ick photo that i saw which was their peloton in their bedroom <laughs> but it was like in the middle of the room and i hated the placement of it and i just couldn't get over it. and then i was like no that's not my peloton right. like right. i can rearrange the room however i want it's just how they chose to present this room so yeah there are so many parallels i want to bring this out because i think people don't understand how much time they're spending on yes. dating apps and it's good to take inventory of it. So according to Badoo, which is like the largest dating conglomerate in the world that nobody hears
0: about in the US. Isn't Bumble part of them or something? Bumble,
1: yeah, yeah but they never talk about it. The average person under the age of 30 spends 10 hours per week swiping. Now- That's
0: crazy. I
1: don't know how that- makes you all feel, to me, that seems like a lot. Terrible. I was like, that's a long time to be spending on apps. And of course, anytime you spend so much time on something, you're going to get burnt out or you're going to feel not so great using it, like Instagram. Yeah. If you're spending 10 hours on Instagram, it doesn't make you feel good. Is there a way to time box How much time you spend on the apps and to make it more intentional. If you say, okay, I took inventory, I'm spending 10 hours a week on dating apps, I wanna bring that down to five and I wanna split that between two days.
0: Yeah. Then
1: you have focused time and intentionality.
0: So you use it in a way that is. More meaningful. I will tell you, I did not spend 10 hours. No way. Oh, that's so awful. and in the past I had. I don't want to say I never did, but like when it actually came to meeting a partner, both times I met partners on dating apps, I did not spend 10 hours. And it was actually when I was in this phase of serial dating, that's what I was spending all the time. Mm. The key also is to figure out what are the optimal times. Yeah. Sunday and Thursday, I believe, are the biggest days. So if you message someone on like, let's say Monday, and they're not checking it and they come back on Sunday, it's over. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Like it's done. It's done. You need to start that conversation real fast. Like it needs to be like almost instantaneously or it's just never going to get off the ground. Mm -hmm. So if you know everyone's on there on Sunday evenings because that's the day before we go back to work and no one's doing anything, that's the best time because people are actually going to be available to reply to you as well. Yes. So you might as well optimize your time And not be doing it all the time Other hot tip is take the notifications off Mm. Don't have that on your phone Like there were times that I would just periodically check in If it wasn't Sunday Just to see if anyone responded to me It was more at my control. It wasn't them controlling me.
1: You can even go a step farther and put that in your profile and say, I only check this on Thursdays and Sundays. Yeah. So the onus is on them to catch you during that time frame. And then you can have more control of your time. Like you said, if they're controlling how you use the apps, because you're constantly looking for people
0: who are responding back, you're going to get burnt out. (laughs) It's not a good feeling. At the end of the day, the apps are designed right? This is behavioral design they're trying mm. to pull you in there is a book called hooked by near il that's very famous in mm. product and design and basically every trigger that he talks about is how tinder works there's the intermittent mm. gratification that all of a sudden you get the it's a match you don't know when you're gonna get it that keeps you hooked yes and you have to know these tricks like you could easily spend all your time just trying to win this slot machine of when you're going to get the next match, opposed to actually talking to people and going on dates. Mm, That explains
1: why you can use the app so well, Julie, because you're a designer. (laughs) You're like... Uh
0: Uh-uh, you cannot out-design me. (laughs) That's basically what I do. I just take all the settings with a grain of salt, pretty much. I'm not going to say I have no criteria, because I definitely did. There were certain things that were deal-breakers. Like, Mm -hmm. for me, education and occupation, those were things I looked at. And I'm not saying that that's the right way to approach it, but I'll be honest that Mm -hmm. it was something I looked at, in addition to the photo, and just if I felt attracted that being said, like, unless it was like a real hard no, I was still open to most people. Yeah. But I would look at a couple of the key criteria, probably political affirmation was another one. And if they matched the basic criteria, I'd be open to talking to them because I knew there was no way I could know from this profile.
1: What advice would you give to people who, let's say, take your advice and swipe on people who look good enough, and then they get into messaging, and for some reason, as much as they want to be open-minded, they're just not excited to see this person. Nothing fundamentally wrong with this person, Mm -hmm. but they just aren't excited to see them.
0: Don't go. Okay. I don't think you have to go out with every last person. I hope that doesn't come across. I'm glad you asked that question. Like, I actually don't believe dating is a numbers game. At the time where I've met partners, I've gone on less dates than when I haven't met partners. Mm -hmm. So I actually think the best time to check in with how you're feeling is that conversation that doesn't mean it needs to be fireworks because let's be realistic like you can't tell but if you're getting a gut feeling that something feels off or you're just not Mm -hmm. into this person or you can't see it ever happening and same for swiping like the house party mentality we're not saying to swipe on every last person if you're like this is never gonna work in a thousand years or I have zero attraction save both of your time like there's no need to swipe on every last person but it's just being a little more open knowing the limitations that these apps have?
1: That's so important for people to hear because I hear too many of you saying, I'm going on this date anyway. You know, I'm keeping an open mind. Let's see what happens. And then chances are you come back and you say something like, yep, confirmed (laughs) how I felt. Being on the other side too. Why would you, you wouldn't feel good if someone wasn't excited about meeting you and then they show up with that attitude. You're
0: already at a deficit yes i think you can be curious like if there's something that feels off to you could ask more also check in with yourself like we were saying earlier like am i projecting something like the running example like is this something that i need to get over or is this actually a problem but if your gut is still telling you like this doesn't feel right or this is not the type of person i see myself with save both of your time okay I like that. And same with conversation. People will complain like, oh, it's like pulling teeth to talk to this person. I mean, if you really feel strongly about someone, you could always propose a phone or video call. That's like the way that you know because messaging can be weird. But if you really feel that way, like why would you want to go on a date with someone where it feels like it's pulling teeth to have a conversation?
1: I want to get your thoughts on this because different apps attract different types of daters. Do you think it makes sense to focus on just one app based on what you're looking for? For example, Mm -hmm. Hinge is known to be the app with the most second dates. Mm -hmm. If that's what you're looking for, just stay on hinge and not go on Tinder and Coffee Meets Bagel and all the other ones that are out there.
0: I think you need to find the one that works for you. I don't think you need to be on every single app, but yeah, which one do you not hate going on? Because that's mm. gonna make it a lot more pleasant than if you dread it. I had to get rid of Tinder, I'll be honest. Like I could not <laughs> keep it because I would just get these crazy messages from people and I just like made me feel gross and unsafe, right? Mm. So it's easier to do like the house party mentality when you feel like you're in a safer environment. I don't know if I would do that on Tinder, for instance. I think it comes down to maybe not the reputation of them, because I do think every app is so different based on your city or your demographic. Mm. That being said, it could be something you try out. Like, I think you try out one or two, see which one you're feeling like you're getting the best results from, in the sense that, like, you're either getting matches or you're getting conversations started, and then check in with yourself, like, which one do I actually mm-hmm. maybe semi enjoy being? on and don't absolutely hate the entire process and then double down on one to two.
1: And then in the same vein of narrowing down on apps, what are your thoughts on paying for apps and what that says about someone else who's paying for the app? Because here are some stats on the percentage of paying customers per app. 51% of people on Tinder are paying customers. Wow. Which I thought that was, I'm shocked. Yeah. 32% on Bumble, 31% on Match, 28% on eHarmony. Yeah. And then Hinge is actually kind of towards the bottom, 20%.
0: I mean, personally, I paid for Hinge. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is where I realized it was worth me paying for it. This is my anecdotal story, so apply this for yourself. Mm -hmm. But I realized that I couldn't be limited to having like 10 swipes or something. I forget the exact amount, but it was Mm -hmm. a limited amount of swipes. Because at the time when I was dating, you know, I had a day job. I was doing datable. It's pretty busy. (laughs) Like I didn't have 10 hours a week to be on apps. So for me, it was more time effective to go on on a Sunday day and have unlimited swipes and be able to talk to those people. Mm-hmm. At the time, I think it was like six ninety nine a month. I think it's gone up significantly, but mm. it was worth it. Inflation. <laughs> that being said, like when I talked to my partner about it, he actually found it the opposite. It kept him motivated to do it every day and it was less overwhelming to have unlimited. Oh, I see. So he liked having the cap. Mm-hmm. So I think it actually comes down to your own mm-hmm. habits and what's going to work the best for you. Yeah. And what actually is in line with the way that makes the app not terrible to use.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, it's like what your preferences are. And you know yourself best. Yeah. OkCupid okay reports that the sweet spot for online dating messages is between 40 and 90 characters. And when I think... Think about what 40 to 90 characters is. It's just enough to say hello Mm -hmm. and to ask a question with some substance. Mm -hmm. Did you find that to be the case for you? They're not short messages, but they're not novels.
0: I actually think that makes sense. Like, I didn't know that stat until you brought it up now, but I was actually re listening to the episode that we did with Vanessa Van Edwards, who, Mm -hmm. you know, talks about like hacking human connection. And we talked about opening lines. And she said, like, Starting off with something to open it up like, hey, how are you? Or something that is very standard actually made you feel more approachable than when you came out with something that was like a little wacky and out there. Mm. And then you could ask like the more unique prompted question. So saying, hey, how's it going? Or how's your weekend? People get upset if that's all you say. But if you said that plus, oh, I noticed in your profile X, Y, and Z, that could actually be a winning combination. Mm -hmm. I actually think one of the worst things on dating apps are all these weird prompts of like opening lines uh, agreed bumble I used to try them because they would give them for you it never worked ever and even thinking about like when I'd receive them people would be like okay what would you take if there was an apocalypse like what would be your secret weapon I'm like I don't know you know like what do you even I say I know <laughs> Doesn't
1: say anything about who you are.
0: And then I didn't respond because I didn't know what to respond with. So it just becomes that dead end again. Right. I feel like there's all these like weird app dynamics instead of just treating people like you would if you were meeting them. So just yeah, talk to someone how you would If you were to meet them in real life.
1: I went to a networking event and someone found me after on LinkedIn and said, I saw your dance videos. What's your favorite dance move? And I'm like,
0: I don't know. Wait,
1: (laughs) what?" Do you want to get to know me or is this a dating app? I wasn't sure. It just feels so contrived because you wouldn't yeah. talk to someone normally like that. So why would you talk to them in a dating context like that? I agree. The prompts are really strange. They're
0: weird. And I- <laughs> Who came up with that? I feel like they're just harming people. Again, there's all these like weird things about dating apps that just actually harming us instead of helping us in any yes. way. And if you get sucked into these dynamics of crafting the perfect opening line and the best profile. Like you're just going to be on dating apps forever. Yeah, no kidding. Been <laughs> never meeting anybody in no. person. But you may have perfected the art yes. of a dating app profile. Congratulations. And let's be honest, UA, if a really attractive guy reaches out to you, someone that you're like excited about, and he yeah. says, hey, how's your weekend? Are you going to not respond because <laughs> he said that? Ew. <laughs> Ew. Why would you be so
1: casual? Like, of course, of course, I'm going to respond back to him.
0: I actually think, too, when you don't dwell on this stuff, it actually makes them a lot more enjoyable because you're not spending hours dissecting profiles and thinking about what to say. You're just living life. It's an extension almost of if you were to meet people. That's really what they are, introductions.
1: Yeah, and you've always said that. I always felt that. That was such a great way of looking at it. It's not a soulmate introduction machine. It's purely for you to expand your network and meet new people, that's it. You would never apply the same standards and filters in real life. You wouldn't be like standing on the street. You have to be five, 10 and a half and have this degree and do this to talk to me, to even talk to me on the street like that would never happen. Right.
0: That's such a good point, though, and I think we need to remember that, like, as people are swiping, to be like, okay, if I met this person randomly, I wouldn't know this information. Mm-mm. Let's pretend I don't have this information, you know? Mm-hmm. I actually have heard from people saying that Fields, you know, it's a non-monogamous app, so take it for what it is, but yeah. people, I guess there's a lot less emphasis on, like, height and different attributes. That's good. You know, we did this episode, actually, with Rayanne from the Confident Collective. And she was saying that she was a heightist and always would fixate on it. (laughs) But then when she used this app, she wasn't asking or thinking about it because it wasn't there. Mm. And that's so important to remember.
1: And it goes back to find the app that works for you, that you enjoy and look forward to using. And I hope what else comes out of this conversation is that we feel empowered to change the statistics. Yes. Let's not be bound by them. Just because women get more matches and the top 20% blah blah <laughs> doesn't mean that we can't change it all. I mean there's some stats that are infuriating to me. Like for example, women who are 21 get the most messages on apps Yeah, and men who are 40 and above, right. 40 to 48 get the most messages on apps. So these 48-year-old men are messaging 21-year-old women. That's when- what that means to me so we have the power to change that what are your own biases coming into dating apps what of the statistics that we just shelled out yeah really irked you and how can you implement it
0: into your own behavior to change that stat but at the end of the day like that is an annoying stat but like to get fixated on that yeah like it doesn't do anything for you it doesn't do anything you're There to meet someone who cares about all this other noise, yeah. If there's one thing to take away from this conversation, it's like keep your eye on the prize of just trying to meet someone new, that's all you're trying to do, yeah. It doesn't matter, all these other factors and the way you're supposed to use dating apps, just use them a way that works for you that gets to the end goal of actually meeting a human in real life. That's all you need to do. And the more you can understand how apps are working, how people are using them, that's when you can start to shift your behavior. So you use them differently. Imagine, you know, if you are a woman and you're that type of woman that spends hours dissecting profile, maybe just try for a week this other approach see what it does for you.
1: Yeah, make it work for us. It's a vehicle created for us, not against us. So with all this talk about dating apps, and maybe now some of you are motivated to use it in a different way or to get back on the apps, we have just the thing for you. We have our 22-day dating app reset challenge. It will help you change your dating app behavior in a way that makes it work for you. So every day for 22 days, you get one new challenge or one new way of looking at the apps. We are launching that. And you can find out about how you can enroll in this challenge by going to datablepodcast.com or just check out our social media. We'll link all of the necessary details for you.
0: Yes. We talk about the house party mentality along with many other tips and tricks. Well, I'm so glad we got to unpack that. It's been top of mind for both of us. And yeah. We did it. Love talking about this topic.
1: Again, we are so happy to be back for season 17. If you have any topic requests, guest requests, questions for brunch talk, you can always email us hello at datablepodcast.com or DM us on Instagram at dateablepodcast. Or better yet, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, five stars, <laughs> and in the body of your review, tell us a request for an upcoming episode. And we will bump that to the top of our request list. On that note, we're going to wrap up this episode. Stay dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Media Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at dateablepodcast and visit datablepodcast.com for access to all the episodes and our premium programs. Also, make sure to subscribe today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favorite podcast platform so you are the first to get all the latest episodes. And most importantly, stay dateable.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership.